thank you for joining us here on our second episode of Putting the Horse First. I'm Isabeau. And I'm Callie Klein. And our guest today is Hannah Cooper, a good friend of mine who is, lives in New Jersey and has her own horses. Uh, family, two lovely kids now. Yes, yes. <laughs> so Hannah, what brought you to our podcast today? Well, you invited me, but also um, I really enjoy talking about horses and I thought this would be a great opportunity to uh, talk about horses with you and Callie. So the thing we figured out for our podcast is putting the horse first. And so we thought a good question to ask you would be, um, can you tell us what does it mean to you if, to put the horse first? Um, to me, putting the horse first means making sure that I can, when I'm working with the horse, I'm trying to figure out what they need from me to progress figuring out their background, figuring out where we need to work towards and not just trying to put my own agenda in there, but like a lot of times with, with the rescue horses, I don't know what I'm getting. So when I'm starting to work with them, some of them prefer jumping, some of them prefer trails, some of them prefer dressage. And so just figuring that out and figuring out how they learn best, but also being able to reward their hard work with what they love to do and not sticking them in a career that they hate. <laughs> ah, yeah. Because that, I feel like that happens a lot. And that's why a lot of them get dumped in what they want to do. That yeah. is an excellent answer. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just wondering what you're seeing in your world and in the horse industry about how people are putting their horses first. Ooh, and maybe if you've seen that and could share a story with us, I think that would be fascinating to hear. Yeah. All right. So the first part, um, I'm noticing in general that a lot of people are starting to focus more on saddle fit and even proper bidding. That's starting to become a new thing, which I'm excited about. There's people who actually know how to try out, try out different bids rather than just pulling something out and seeing if it works. They actually know about the high palate, the low palate, the tongue size and all of that stuff. Also, also I'm finding if I'm perusing on Facebook or whatever, I'm finding that they are a lot of times commenting that, you know, the horse is usually if they're acting out, it's because they're in pain. So it's usually best to rule out if nine times out of 10, I've seen it's usually they're acting out because they're in pain, not because they're just trying to be malicious. Yeah. Right. right. So I worked with these two mares a while ago now. They were this this girl found me on Facebook and she pulled them out of Bastrop in Louisiana. Which, and they were both really kind of traumatized almost. And not not to mention that they were not in good shape physically, but mentally they were not in good shape. And this girl, she, you know, she could have been like, I want the horses to do X, Y, and Z. And she did originally want to use them for trail horse and pleasure horses, whatever. But at the end of it, you know, both of them, I did get rideable, but she ended up deciding she just wanted to keep them as pasture horses she ended up getting a different horse that she can ride for pleasure anyway but she was like you know like if this is too much for them don't push it don't worry about it you know I yeah I, I want them to be able to be handled like the one the one mare she was 
terrified of her feet being touched. Absolutely terrifying, which was great because I (laughs) do not like horses that have problems with their feet being handled. So that was really challenging for me. And we had to work through it and get her used to her feet being touched. And it took a really long time, but it was also for safety reasons that I had to make sure she would be able to get her feet handled because she needed to be seen by a farrier desperately. Yeah. So it is, I feel like it's a fine line between, you know, what's necessary to to get them to do versus what you can kind of let go. I mean, yeah, they both were able to be ridden on the trail at one point, but is it really worth them spooking and being unsure all the time? I feel like in my experience, if a horse is really spooky, they just have it in them. Like you can work through it. I mean, like Isabel, you know, with Eli, he's kind of always been a spooky horse. And 15 years later now, which is crazy to me, he still will spook. But I know when it's coming because I've been working with him for so long. Yeah. But everybody ends up with someone else who doesn't understand him and gets mad at him and is like, oh, he's a bad horse. It's like, well, he's that's I can tell when it's coming so I can work through it. But it's not something I can really change about him. I mean, yeah, he's on calming supplements, but yeah. You know, it's just part of him, unfortunately. Yep, that is an extremely good point about putting uh, putting the horse first is knowing when you've come to a point of you've done as much as you can. And so having arrived at this place, what is going to be your plan now? You know, and, and maybe it's just you've, cha- you've changed yourself as much as you can. You've changed your tack as much as you can. Mm-hmm. You had the maybe you had the kissing spine surgery, maybe. And, you know, the still horse still has issues. But uh, yes, even wanting to put the horse first, you and the horse are going to have to decide you get to a point and, you know, possibly this is as much as you can do as the farriers complain a lot on social media. Horses still is with feet. So knowing when to stop, knowing when putting the horse first means, you know, I've kind of done as much as I can for right now. And I'm going to find a happy place where we can all, we can all take care of ourselves. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on us Uh, on owners and riders and trainers to get the horse to do the thing, jump the fence, get on the trailer, gain the weight. You know, I paid this money, my client paid this money. So knowing when you've kind of come to that stopping point um, where, yes, we're putting the horse first is okay. I think, I think I've, I've done as much as I can for you and we've gotten as far as we can get. That's exactly right. I mean, the other thing that came to my mind is, is being okay with letting them have time off too. Mm -hmm. I know, for example, with my mom and her mare, who is still in training because she keeps getting time off due to injuries or pregnancies or whatever. My mom's like, Oh, I feel so bad for her. She's probably so bored. And I was like, you know, like, I think she's like, she's probably fine. Like she's just out in the field with her friends. Like she doesn't really care. I mean, yeah, she likes being worked and have attention. There's a balance to that. You can do groundwork and whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, if she's not being worked six days a week, she doesn't care. Yeah, no, and that, that's another really good point is part of the reason why people fail to put the horse first is dealing with our own internal demons about, I really wanted to get my bronze medal. I really wanted to get, you know, I really wanted to go Grand Prix. I really wanted to trail riding, go camping with my friends, just dealing with your mental thing is no, my horse does not have to get ridden six days a week, especially if, if it's out in the field for 18 hours a day with these friends and exactly. maybe my horse does a change in one direction but really can't do the change in other. <laughs> and why is it that I really want this animal to do this thing that's not in their goal set I think that people also hear from people around them 
what they should do or what someone yeah. else is doing. And so the industry of, you know, horses kind of sh shows people that what they should be doing, you know, mm -hmm. people are stepping back a little bit. They're like you, Hannah, on um, online, on the internet and seeing what's going on with what's happening. I think there's a real shift in the way things are being done now mm -hmm. and really putting the horse first physically, emotionally, and then mentally so that the horse gets the first choice in everything. And then we're here to serve the horse. Like that was really, really cool. One, one thing that really comes to my mind is a couple of years ago, I, I was really, I was riding a lot and I was working with a lot of horses and I have my, my main horse, Eli, who I've, I've had since a yearling. And he's really who kind of started all of, all of this with the rescue horses and everything. He, all my friends were like, oh, he's really good. He's a really good jumper. You should do eventing with him and all this stuff. And meanwhile, my background has always been dressage, not jumping. And I do jumping now because he loves it, but I don't have the guts. I mean, I've, I've done some events on him in school when I was in college, but I'm like, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the guts to do it. And I actually almost considered temporarily trading him for another horse with a friend who did eventing and she had an older horse who was experienced, more experienced in eventing just to kind of let him progress and go through the levels and, you know, realize his full potential, you know, and then, you know, things started to kind of fall apart and it ended up being, it would have been a really bad decision. And I had to tell myself, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he goes to that level. All he cares about is that he's got me and we just kind of pop around fences and have fun. And we go on trails sometimes, you know, and like, he doesn't care. He, he would be probably really upset if he all of a sudden was with someone else. Cause he's only known me for so long. Yes. It was just, it was like, I had that light bulb moment of like, it's he's not, horses are not like us. Like you said, like where they are like, Oh, we have all these goals and these career ideas that we want to do. It's like, no, they don't care about that. We care about that, but they don't care about that. It's great to come to that realization. Yeah. yeah. It it's very freeing and the pressure comes off too. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like you go back to, I ride horses because I love horses and I love being with horses. And it's that symbiotic relationship with them. Of I benefit from it and they benefit from it. You know, living in a really great time, Kelly and I met in an online course and most of all the time we were not doing live classes. We make video of our stuff and send it in to, 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 to our instructor. And, you know, that's a perfectly wonderful way to make progress. I just want to get better and get better for myself and get better for my horse. Mm -hmm. I just spent two days at a landscape clinic where I learned how to fall off. <laughs> I'm quite sore right now. Um, <laughs> falling off, just tumbling on the gymnastic mats and falling off of the simulator, you know, that will serve me really well. Online now, there's so many opportunities for training and education. And with the little robot cameras, I'm a big people fan. Yes, um, me too. Great. You know, when I was living in New Jersey, it was fantastic to have a truck and a trailer and throw the horses on. You and I did 100 paces together. And we that did. is lots of fun. That yes. Bucket loads of fun. But also now I don't have a trucker or a trailer. I don't really have time to go to all, to all those horse shows and stuff, but I have so much access. I actually like way oversubscribed to online educational content right now. <laughs> I have more classes and I have so much video I have to get in and edit. And I That's probably where it is though. That's where the future is. 
you yes, know, then and I'm probably- you're not on your horse at the time. You're not thinking about everything that's going on. You're not engaged kinesthetically and only 5% of your brain is able to hear what the instructor is blah, 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 saying. And then the realization that what you, what you, what you think you're doing isn't really what you are doing. Yeah. When you actually see yourself online. And I think for me that watching myself and then having my instructor tell me what I'm doing, help me with my students. Like these are the key pieces that, that you need to have. And then that way I could share that with my students when I saw them. And I bring my students online too, because it's so, so powerful, this video. So this, uh, this whole idea of putting, putting the horse first, does that bring anything else up for you? Do you have any, any more thoughts? Well, I was just going to make a mention that I'm, I'm recalling as you're talking about like visually learning when I used to ride with you as my instructor, actually, you used to video me and send and email it to me so I could see it. And that was like the start of the start. Of this stuff. I was like, oh, you've, you've always been like very into the techie side of things. And that helped a lot to be able to see. And that's why eventually I also ended up getting a Pivo because I'm by myself a lot. So yes, you're by the- I'm glad to hear. I believe I had a flip camera at that time. You did. Yes. All, only people who are old enough of a certain age are even going to know what a little flip cam is, which was a little, yes. a little, a time which recorded very grainy little video, but still it was useful. And then actually um, you got me into the, when I thought about getting a GoPro because where yes. I was area that I was in, we were driving carriage horses and riding on the road a lot. And there's Amish horses, but there's also people treating those back roads as racetracks. And the GoPro actually, people will ignore a caution slow horses signs. They notice the camera on top of my helmet though. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. And also wonderful. I had to put a horse of mine down last year. And I love that I have so much video of me hacking her on these lovely dirt roads next to a yeah. creek, these rides and just having, and it's just her and I hacking around on, on, on the road. But that video is fantastic to have, you know, yeah. so yeah, oh, the, the tech stuff is really paid off been well worth the effort to try to continue to figure it out <laughs> hopefully i will get podcasting and an editing thing done now too yeah. <laughs> that is so cool and as you were talking i was just th- thinking about for hannah with your you have you own a rescue you have a rescue Hello, everybody. That seems like a good point for us to fade out. Uh, Hannah, Callie, and I went on talking for some time, but in the beginning here, we're going to try to keep these to 15-minute podcasts. So Callie and I would be very interested to hear your feedback. Uh, Did you find our conversation interesting? Uh, Would you like to tell us your own story of how you put the horse first? Uh, Any and all comments and feedback welcome. Shoot us an email at puttingthehorsefirst.com. That's a number one with the letters ST, putting the horse first at gmail.com. Um, if you're interested in uh, giving us your feedback or you want to know more about what we do with training horses. Um, so this was podcast number two, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening.